Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Morning, church. If you're a guest here today and we haven't had a chance to, to meet yet, my name's Tom. I, it's been my pleasure to be the senior pastor of this church for the last 26 years when we started in a living room. Some of you are still here from the living room. That blows me away. Uh, but I just want to thank you all for your time, giving me, you know, just, just, it just always amazes me. You give me a space of your life, me or Christian or whoever's, whoever's up, a space of your life and says, just speak into it from the word. I can't tell you what a, what a humbling thing that is to think about and a terrifying thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, we're in this season called The Surge, a word the Lord gave to me. It's a time of intense ministry, and I think a lot of people are going to come to Jesus through it. I think we're going to see a lot of disciples made for the king, uh, and, and we've talked a bit about that over the last several weeks, and uh, part, an important part of The Surge is the development of many Paul-Timothy relationships. We looked in the Bible, and we saw that as God propagates the church from one generation to another, there's a tremendous model in the New Testament of Paul who is a seasoned Christian, walker with Jesus, and Timothy, who in many cases, you know, was seen, just seen as a young guy, and Paul was able to speak into Timothy's life in very meaningful ways. We, we just really want to see this Paul-Timothy template put in place here so that Paul's and Timothy's, males and females alike, find one another in, in, in these relationships that God can honor. Uh, I just want to remind you that I don't plan to over-organize this. I'm really depending on the Holy Spirit to help, help the Pauls and the Timothys find each other. You know, we're not going to have like a meeting. Or, or, uh, just keep praying. Just, God, would you, would you bring me to my Paul? Would you bring in my Timothy? And in reality, we're, many of us are both, aren't we? Because I, I, I guess after 40 years, I ought to be expected to be a Paul and be able to nurture some Timothys along the way, but I'm still myself being nurtured, and in some ways I'm still I'm a Timothy myself. And so as you think about this and where you fit in, you know, don't get too scientific about it. Well, I'm a Paul, well, I'm a Timothy. In reality, you're both, no matter where you are on the walk in some respects. And I just want to remind you that both the Pauls and the Timothys are an equally important part of this formula. You know, you, you, you can't have one side without the other. And, and Timothy, is you're bringing purpose to we Pauls who have been doing this for a while as you, as you uh, honor us with being able to speak into your lives. And, and, and Timothy, this is your time. This is your time to be spoken into because uh, I don't plan on staying much longer. I mean, I, I'm getting toward the front of the line here. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm not quitting. I'm just saying I know what's coming next. I'm excited about that. I feel like I've been in an amusement park my whole life, and I've just been waiting for the ride, you know? <laughs> Karen's going to get drinks for us as we wait. She doesn't do this roller coaster. Just waiting for the ride. I feel like some of us are getting up close to the front, aren't we? I don't mind that a bit. We cannot overstate the importance of the development of the Paul-Timothy relationship. Last week, uh, Christian talked a lot about, uh, from his heart and from the word, about to the Timothys. Today, I'd like to focus a little more on the Pauls. Uh, Let's invite the Lord. Father, we're your people. We're, we're the sheep of your pasture. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to you. We've been bought at a price by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And we rejoice in that, Lord, and, 
And so as we put ourselves under the authority of your word, Lord, let it be that. Let your word speak to us. God, if there's some way you can use my voice, my thoughts, whatever, that would be amazing. But if you need to just bypass all of that, I invite your word to live in this church today. In Jesus' name, amen. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to put it up on this screen in a font too small for you to read, so it's more for artistic benefit than anything else. Uh, So go ahead and turn your Bibles or dial it up on your devices, uh, Philippians chapter 3. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that Paul's, Paul's, listen to me, Paul's, listen carefully to this. You have what it takes to take on some Timothys. Don't let the devil talk you out of that. You have what it takes. And Paul's, I also want to tell you this, especially some of you have been running this race as long as I have, it's time for the kick. It's time for the kick. It's time to kick to the finish and finish strong, finish well. It's not time to slow down. It's time to kick. It's time to make the kick for the finish line and to drag some Timothys along with us. Philippians chapter 3, we looked at this a little bit a few weeks ago. I want to expand on it. Beginning in verse 12, Paul says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I told you, right? That's where the line goes, right? That, the line you're standing in, that's where it goes. That's the ride, Okay? All of us who are mature, take note of that word, should, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Everybody's in progress of learning how to embrace the word of God as truth. Okay? Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, catch this, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Hello, is the church here today? Did you, did you just hear what I read? We get new bodies? And then chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I visited the context of this passage when I preached from it a few weeks ago. But here's another example, chapter 4, verse 1 of chapter 4, of the context. My brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. These Philippian believers were Paul's heart. He loved them like I love you. I, I, I so get this. And he's separated from them. When I'm separated from you, I just love you and long for you. So everything you read is read through that context. Even if it's corrective, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm saying this because I love you. Right? Okay, so that's the context. As we, as we look at this, I'd like for you to, well, I was planning on getting, getting through three uh, observations, but I don't think we're going to have time for all of them. So let's just see. Uh, as we go through this passage, um, be sure to notice and I hope embrace at least one observation. <laughs> the first one is you don't have to be perfect to be an effective Paul. You don't have to be perfect. Okay, isn't that good news? 
Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already been made perfect. He's not perfect. So that's what Paul's saying here. You don't have to be perfect before God can use you to speak powerfully into the life of another. Okay. You only have to be one step ahead to lead, right? I prefer to be at least two, but a lot of you live on my heels, and it, it's okay. It's okay. But you only need to once. You don't have to be perfect in order to be, in order to be effective. Be an effective Paul. Don't, 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 don't keep pushing it off. Say, well, someday I'll be able to do something like that for somebody. He said, I'm not perfect. He uses an athletic language here, which was a really common speaking device for speakers of that day. You know, I mean, preachers, they always like to give illustrations, right? But they didn't have technology. They didn't, like, couldn't talk about cell phones and stuff. But what was really popular in, in Greek and Roman culture was the, were the games. And so they would frequently refer to running the race and that, and that kind of thing. And he just says, I'm not there yet. And he said, I haven't made, made, made perfect. And there's a... There's a there's a, a contextual dynamic here where the word perfect was used by many of the cults that were in operation in the day to talk about the people who had really accomplished their cult well called themselves perfect. And so Paul is saying, I, wanna, I, I, don't want, I want to erase all doubt. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not one of them. And he's also wanting to erase any doubt that he's not perfect and, and offering himself as an example because of his perfection. I like to think of a, being a Christian as an example of sanctified imperfection, right? I mean, he just keeps sanctifying us. keeps covering us in our imperfection. And then he says, what is behind? I forget. I, I, I forget. So, so to be effective, he says, all I have to do is just keep moving forward. I, I'm not perfect, but I have to keep moving forward. And the imagery here is just to keep your eye on the finish line. Just keep looking forward. Now, the, in the Greeks, typically when they would run their races, it would be an out-and-back race. So it wasn't a loop. It was an out-and-back. You run to a point, and then you come back. And Paul's saying the important thing is to keep your eye on the finish line. I know this very well. Tom Anderson and I ran a half marathon several years ago now, and it was an out-and-back. It was out at Three Creeks Park, and it was hot. It was August, and we were, we were running, and it was an out-and-back. Well, here's what happens since I'm never first, okay? You run, you're running, and you're running along, and you're trying to talk and trying to make time and all this stuff, and that's all fine. You're running your own race. Then you start seeing people going back, and you're still going out. And of course, the first people you see, you're like, oh yeah, that guy should be beating me for real, right? <laughs> right of course, I'm not gonna be in front of him. And you keep running, and then the population kind of changes. So it's like, oh, I should be beating that guy, man. I. There's only one thing to do. Don't look at them. Get your eyes on the finish line. Don't look around. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Paul's saying that he's not perfect, but his eyes are on the finish line. Our goal, our goal is to live a life worth imitating, isn't it? But it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It begins by understanding that you can be a very useful Paul while you're still in the state of making progress until the day you die. You have to love what Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, had asked be, be engraved someday on her headstone. It says, end of construction, thank you for your patience. <laughs> Come on, you gotta love that. 
The story is she and Billy were actually driving along, and that was a sign on the road, end of construction, thank you for your patience. She said, that's what I want on my headstone. Ruth Bell Graham, who was such a, such a wonderful example of a godly woman, and she said, I, I, I wasn't done until I died. But boy, she spoke into our lives, yeah? You're looking at the top of that headstone, and you're saying, well, what is that? Why is there a Chinese symbol? Well, she was born in China. She was raised in China, the daughter of medical missionaries in China. And, uh, and so that, that Chinese symbol is a symbol for righteousness. That's cool, huh? Oh, it gets better. Are you ready? That Chinese symbol, you see how there's a top part and a bottom part? The, the, the top part is the symbol for lamb, and the bottom part is the symbol for me. So the lamb is covering me. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, people, right there, that the lamb is covering you. Some of you are on the edge, and you're going like, okay, maybe I'm going to come into this faith thing. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can pull it off. You don't have to be good enough, and you don't have to pull it off. You just need to come in under the covering of the Lamb Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on that cross to make you righteous. We're not offering you a place in the club. It's not like that. What we're inviting you to do is say, I recognize my sins have found me out. I can never fix this on my own. I need what Jesus Christ did for me. So before too long, I hope that some of you who are on that line will step over it. And just come under the covering of the Lamb. Amen, church. You Pauls have such an important example to share with the Timothys. But it begins by just, Pauls, find something in your life that you think would be a benefit to a Timothy. Maybe not everything, but there's something, right? You know, maybe you're good at prayer. Maybe you're, maybe you're good at faithfulness. Man, when we went to the free store yesterday and served the poor, and there were, I don't know, 30 or 40 of you there. It was insane. And I'm just so proud of you when I see you love the friends of Jesus like that. If that's what you're good at, that's what you want to instill in the Timothy. Maybe you're good at tithing. Maybe, you know, you just, you, you figured it out. And younger families are like, I don't know how to do this. And you can just say, well, here's, here's my journey. But there's something in your life that's good. And you can share that with them, even if everything isn't. Second observation, part of being a Paul is to lovingly stand firm for what is absolutely true. What? Well, if you look at some of these verses here, look at verse 18. For as I have told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is unearthly things. Here Paul is saying that we who are mature must stand for what is true. Whether it be popular or very unpopular, should it cost us our very life? He's saying there are people that there's a dynamic in the world that is standing opposed to the truth of God and the cross of Christ. And this, this phrase, their God is their stomach, kind of makes sense in itself, right? But it was, a, it was a popular phrase back then that the Greek philosophers would say some people are ruled by their belly. And they didn't just mean food, but they meant just the internal stuff, you know? The inappropriate sexual desires, the, the, the pride, the lust for things, the, ruled by their belly. And so he's saying there are people whose God is their stomach. 
Jo Saxton is a popular speaker and author, and I've read some of her book called Real God, Real Life, and have thus far found it helpful and challenging. Now, before I completely endorse her, I don't know everything about her, so if later on you discover that she's a heretic, like she's a Michigan fan or something, I, I just, you know, just excuse my, my premature endorsement, but where I found her was I've enjoyed watching her, her, her talks on Philippians in Right Now Media. How many of you are using our Right Now Media in the church? I hope you are. Do you know that maybe you don't know this, maybe, or maybe you forgot when, after we first presented it. We are paying for a, as a church a subscription to Right Now Media, which is thousands, thousands of wonderful Christian videos. I mean, from just the greats. And uh, it's completely available to you for free. All we need to do is have your email address, and you'll, we'll send it in, and they'll send you a, a, a Right Now Media, we'll send you a, a sign-up. Would you like to sign up? You'll create your, your password, that whole thing, and you can just scour for the whole family. I mean, Francis Chan, Matt Chandler, J Joe Saxon, just, it's an endless. And so if, if, if you need to do that, where's Tiffany? Tiffany? Could you stand up? I know you'll hate me for this this week in the office, but this is Tiffany. And uh, is Amanda here? And there's Amanda. Okay, if you see these two ladies here, they would, be, they would love to take your, in, your email address to sign them up for Right Now Media, right? There we go. That's what I love about this staff, okay? Thank you. All right. We'd love to have you. But, but Joe Saxon, in her talk on, on Philippians, she, when she was talking about this, this, these verses about their God is their stomach. And she was saying that the people of the day, catch this, were, were not only indulging themselves in the very things that were preventing them from having a relationship with God, but they were setting it up as truth. So not only were they indulging in stuff that clearly inhibits a person's walk with God, but they were saying this is now the foundation of truth. That doesn't sound familiar, does it? And Paul's just saying, don't, no, don't, don't, don't go down that road that there's dangerous stuff that will, that will inhibit your relationship with, with God. And, and as Paul's, we, have, we are absolutely mandated by God, catch this, to lovingly, would you please say lovingly? Lovingly stand firm for what is true. Please, 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 Note that Paul is saying all of this in such love. I mean, did you, you see the way he says it? He said, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Okay. And he says, I say with tears. He's not yelling at people. His heart is broken for people who are caught in such levels of deception that they think that what the Bible speaks against is true, is, is right, I mean. And so he sets a tone for, yeah, we have to stand up for what's absolutely true, but we have to stand up for it in love. We're living in such a polarized culture right now, and we Pauls can absolutely do something about it. We can do it by not responding in anger or in a defensive way, but being confident in who we are and what we believe and who we know, and then just live it out in love, right? We can do something about this. I sadly see some Christians, conservative Christians in particular, who see this polarization as like an opportunity to shout at people on the other side. 
Why would, you, why would you shout at somebody if you understand that they are a victim of deception? Are you listening to me, church? If somebody has a, just a diametrically opposing view of something cultural, perhaps in you, and you hold this position because you have found it to be true in the Bible, and you say, I, am, I have this position because I am committed to truth, and you see somebody over there with an opposing position, how could you feel anything but love for somebody who, from your point of view, is a victim of deception? Hello? Are you going to yell at them? Are you going to say, stop being so stupid? Are you going to say, come to my house for dinner? Let's, I want to just love you and dialogue with you. And how, did, how did you find the truth? Remember when you were deceived? Yeah. Remember when you were deceived? Timothy's, it's so essential that you get this lesson because your culture is changing so fast. Oh, I, I just fear for you. The foundation of your culture is, is sandier than ours was. And, and you gotta get this, you gotta get this, that, that the Bible is true, that this is it, it's true, and the application of it is up to us. And the defense of it is up to us, but we defend it, we defend it in love. One of the things that's happening, I think particularly among younger adults, but perhaps among everybody, in this day and age with social media, is what my son Brad calls the echo chamber. And so I've just been noticing that, in particular with younger adults, it seems like that love means agreement. That love is based on agreement. That if you don't agree with me, you don't love me. And the reason, the reason this is, my son Brad, he's a pretty smart kid, smarter than me, and, and he, he says it's because People, they start talking on social media about their position, and they can find thousands, millions of people to echo back their sentiment. And so they think, these are the people who love me because they agree with me. And then they come into context with people like, you know, who doesn't agree with them, and they say, well, I, you don't love me. Oh, I do love you. I do love you. Father Dan from Our Lady of Perpetual Help and I love each other. I've offered to show him in scripture the error of the doctrine of transubstantiation. He's offered to hear my confession. <laughs> Told him he didn't have time. <laughs> and we differ. But we love each other. Man, I love that guy. I think I'm going to retire and become Catholic. <laughs> Man. We can completely disagree and still love each other. My wife Karen sometimes quotes what Ruth Bell Graham once said. She said, if two, of you are, if two people agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. Our staff will absolutely testify to the fact that Karen and I disagree frequently. Amen, staff? They, they sometimes say, stop fighting in front of us. <laughs> we disagree. But I know she loves me. 
And I'm pretty sure I love her. You feeling it? People who disagree with us are not our enemies. They are victims of deception. And remember that we too once and in some ways still are also victims of deception. Ron Sider, who rocked my world 30 years ago with his book Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, more recently wrote The Scandal of, Evangelical, of the Evangelical Conscience. He gives us some terrifying statistics one of which is that divorce, a topic disdained by Jesus, is more common among people who call themselves born-again Christians than among the general population. I'm not judging anybody who's been divorced, but I'm just saying, what's going on here? I hate the next one much worse. Research revealed that white evangelical Christians are the most likely group of people in American society to object to a person of color moving in next door to them. God, help us! That's broken. That's broken. Just remember, Pauls, this is the world we've made for the Timothys. You don't, you don't yell at people who don't agree with you. Oh, boy. Let's go to Chapter 4, verse 1, and finish up. We'll do the third point next week. I didn't know I was going to do that anyway. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Paul's the most important thing that you can do this time in your life is not give up. Just keep running for the finish line. Just keep running for the finish line. The imagery created by verse 14 here just couldn't be, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's a distant runner, a distance runner. And a distance runner, I mean, everybody talks about the kick. It's like you're plodding along for however many miles, you're pacing yourself so you don't run out of energy, and then when you get to a certain point of your choosing close to the finish line, it might be a mile, it might be two miles, it might be 500 feet, but you're going to finish strong, and you're going to kick it. That's a fun part of the race. And we, we need to kick it. And Paul's, you're not too old to be in the race. This picture up behind me, it's a picture of it man named Ed Whitlock. Ed Whitlock is 85 years old, finishing that full marathon in th under four hours. What? I can't run a marathon in under four hours. Ed Whitlock was the first person to finish a marathon in under three hours beyond the age of 70. He was 74. Paul's I know we're old, but God has put in you a deposit to share with these Timothys. Timothys, receive from us, please. We won't do it all perfectly, but our hearts are to equip you to walk the walk. I'm going to have our ushers come up now, and they're going to begin to distribute some baskets through the aisles. And what these baskets are, it's just a little card you take one if you like, 
I feel compelled, but these, these, these are just little cards. And it's a card that says, if you're sitting with a Paul, if you're a Timothy, or vice versa, here's, here are some things you could talk about. I think the first question, which I'm going to get right now, is uh, how's it going? <laughs> That's really spiritual, right? So John, some younger man in the Lord comes and says, hey, let's have dinner. You say, all right. And you start and say, how's it going? That's all. Second question is, how's your walk with Jesus? Like what, you know, are you being consistent? What are your victories? Where are the struggles? Where are the landmines, right? Because how many of you, like me, have stepped on some landmines along the way? We know where they are, right? Remember the arguments we use for ourselves? Oh, that's okay in my life, right? Remember that? And then we blew it up. We can share that. They might still step on them but they at least know where they are. The third question is, how's your ministry playing out? You know, how, are you serving the Lord? Or how's, that, how's it going? Are you, are you finding people who stir you? Have you found your way up here or out there or to the free store, grocery giveaway? And then the last one is so important. Hey, before we go, how can we pray for each other? Each other, Paul's and Timothy's. I love it when you Timothy's pray for me. Thank you. I'm just handing these out today because we're going to spend two more weeks in this series, but there's not going to be a time, I don't anticipate a time when you're going to fill out a card that says, I am a Timothy, I am a male Timothy in search of. We're not going to make a website, etimothy.com or something, I don't know. We're 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 not going to do that, I don't think. I mean, maybe somebody on the staff will. I'm not going to do that. I've just been praying and praying and praying, Holy Spirit. Would you just bring people together? Would you just bring people together? You set the schedule. There's no, ske- there's no program. This is the whole program right here. Okay. I'm just curious. If you feel like you're more of a Paul than a Timothy, just dial into that part. Would you raise your hand? Everybody look around. Look at these guys with their hands up. They don't know it, but while their hands are up, I'm going to ask them, how many of you are volunteering to be a Paul to a Timothy? Oh, their hands are already up. There we go. <laughs> as, as we hold our hands up, would you just look around the room some and say, maybe that guy, maybe that gal. Let's go same gender. Okay, just makes it less complicated. Okay, put your hands up. How many of you feel like you're Timothys and you'd love to have a Paul? Doesn't matter what your age is. You're just you feel like you're Timothy. You know, like I could, I could do that. Look, look around. Look around. Look around. Pauls, pray right now, God. Which one of these do I get? Pauls, you might see somebody with their hand up right now. You say, I'm going to go talk to that guy. I'm going to go talk to that person. We're going to Bob Evans today. Don't wait. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do what you do. It's your church. It's your message. It's your season of this church life. And I thank you for the Pauls, ones who've just stuck with it. We're still Timothy's Lord, and we're still learning, of course. But you've, been, you've sown something into us that we can share, and I thank you for that, God. And I thank you for these younger ones, Lord, and the Lord who are just saying, I just want somebody to speak in my life. I just want somebody to help me 
get this together. Oh God, would you just bless them today and encourage them that helps on the way, God. And would you just use the power of your Holy Spirit to connect men and women together here, young people together here in this place, God, for your greatest glory. Church, will you stand with me, please? Can we have some prayer ministry people? Come on up, please, and take your place along the sides. And if you're new here, these are people who are just ready to pray with you about anything. Could be about this, could be about something altogether different. But you can just come. We're going to sing for just a few minutes, and you can come up and pray, have these people pray with you. Okay. Lord. Oh, somebody wants to come under the Lamb, too. Somebody's ready to come to Christ. Somebody here is, is ready. You're saying, oh, that's what it means. Come on, you could come up to any of these people and you go, I, I'm ready. You don't have to know any Bible. You don't have to know anything. You'll have a Bible when you leave if you do this. But you just say, I'm ready.